Welcome, everybody. Uh, hey, it's an interesting day because we are um, trying to present a new theme of things here in chapel this coming uh, year where we're going to talk kind of like through the Bible and present some themes. And Dr. Tennyson on Tuesday started things off with our, our chapel core, as we're calling it. And uh, I get the privilege of continuing that. The interesting thing is, is that I'm actually like fairly close to his timing. So it's not like a lot of stuff is kind of too ancient for us. So sometimes these will be uh, standalone. Sometimes they'll be, they'll seem unconnected, but they will connect because they'll be all about uh, what the word of God has to say to us. I don't know about you, but um, I was always fascinated with the Old Testament as a kid. I wasn't allowed to read a whole lot of things. I grew up in a very fundamental, uh, strict kind of home, but I was allowed to read the Bible. And so the Bible was cool. And so I would read the Bible and I'd be like, wow, uh, there's like war. There's like, there's like violence. There's like crazy things going on in the Old Testament. This is pretty sweet. And I mean, there was also some things that maybe were above my pay grade as a kid. You know, some rape, some sexual abuse things that I like, whoa, this is kind of a lot. But certain things kind of stuck out to me and I, I enjoyed reading it. And so I devoured the word and I would uh, just read and try to understand what was going on. I remember one time I was sitting in Sunday school, and uh, the teacher's like, and so, you know, David took that sling, and he, he slung it around, and he hit that giant in the head, and he killed it with that stone. Yes, Lon. Um, I don't think that's what happened. I think it's when he cut off his head and, like, stuck it on the sword and put it up in the air that pretty sure he died then. And teacher is like, okay, whoa. Or the time when uh, teacher was talking about the story of the talking donkey. And uh, I grew up on a farm and I just, is a donkey the same thing as an ass? You know, that went over real well. Just sort of like, all of you are in shock right now. Did we just hear that word in chapel? Like, it's context, people. Context. See? So that's kind of what the word of God's like. It's got these interesting things that we kind of look at stories and they, they can kind of puzzle us. They can kind of even shake us up a little bit. They can kind of disturb us. They can maybe anger us. And, and sometimes that's all good. But I believe everything in here is because God had a plan for what he wanted us to know about who he was and who he is and what he's expecting from us. Now, the children of Israel, as we, we know, were, were called to be a holy nation, a priesthood, an Israel that people would look at. And so they raised up a whole tribe of people who were the high priests, who were exalted, who were to do God's work, who represented God on earth and everything that they did and they touched. They had the temple and it wasn't going to be Solomon's temple, but they had the temple of God. They had the Ark of the Covenant. They had all these things that mattered and they were supposed to really be lifted high in, 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 in what they did right, these high priests. Now, Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a story from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And before I get to that, I, I want to just like really lay it out for you, kind of what the, 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 the big idea is, my thesis, my main point, my whole thing. I just want to get it right out front so you can be mulling it over in your head as we go along this morning. The disrespect of God leads to the loss of God's presence. I'll say it again. The disrespect of God leads to the loss of God's presence. 
I mean, Otis uh, Redding sang it first, and then Aretha Franklin made it big with R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me, right? Uh, the part I liked the best was sock to me, sock to me, sock to me. I don't know what it meant, but I thought it was cool. Respect. Man, you talk about a word that's a hot button right now. You talk about a way of life, a matter of DNA, who we are. Don't disrespect me. I'm disrespected. People not giving respect. It's a big issue. And why do we care so much about it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because our Heavenly Father, God, cares about it and had a whole lot to say about it. Now, when we talk today about the presence of God, we're also going to kind of use the same word glory of God. Maybe you've heard that. So glory and presence are going to be the same uh, connotation today. Now, before we get into 1 Samuel 4, it's really important that we kind of just real quick step back to 1 Samuel 3. There's this prophet to be, this young man named Samuel, who's heard Samuel, okay? And he has this, we all just know the story from, from kids' church and stuff where he, he hears a voice saying, you know, Samuel, or probably it's more like Samuel, you know, whatever it was, right? A little reverb. You know, it was cool. It sounded like God. He didn't know what it was. He goes to Eli, who's the high priest, who's watching over him, who's mentoring him, and says, you know, hey, I'm hearing this voice. He says, that's God. Just say, here am I. And he said, but oh, by the way, whatever he tells you, I want to know about it. So Samuel has this uh, prophetic word come to the Lord. In fact, it's a word in 1 Samuel 3 that God said is so shocking what I'm going to tell you, Samuel, that it's going to make people's ears tingle. I don't know about you, I've never had my ears tingle over anything. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just hasn't been anything that, that amazing yet, I guess. But there is truth to it. There is a physical attribute that can come if you hear something shocking. And you can have your ears ring and your ears tingle. And so he said, that's the kind of word I'm going to give you. So he goes to Eli and he says, okay, you know, I've heard from the Lord. He's like, well, tell me. He said, well, okay, here it goes. Uh, you... And, and, and your sons, you're going to die. What, is, what does Eli say? He says, must be God's will. His will will be done. Now, let's get to 1 Samuel 4 because we're going to hear how this all works. We don't hear a lot about uh, you know, Samuel in chapter 4. In fact, we don't even see his name mentioned at all. But it's just going to be a sign of what's going to happen if when we don't do these things. Now, here's what happened to us, right? Eli had these two sons. Um, Hophni and Phineas, and they were raised up and were, were the high priests now, but they were disrespecting God. God had warned them. He had warned his father, their father, Eli. He said, you got to stop doing this stuff. You got to stop not doing the rituals and the routines that I've, I've set up. You're, you're disobeying things. You're, you're de-honoring the sacrifices. You're making them be less than what they are. You're, you're exchanging money for things. You're, you're making my house a mockery. And then on top of it all, see, the, the people of, of Israel would send their young men and women to, to study under the priesthood, and they were like young people there serving, and they were sexually abusing them. And God had warned them. He'd warned their father, and then he was done. God just said, that's it. There's no more second chances. You're finished. That's a shocking word. Because all we hear now is that God's a God of love and a God of grace. But I, I'm, I'm bringing a hard word today. I'm bringing a word that's not full of fluff today. You know, right? I got handed this in the, in the chapel script. Here's, here's your task. Here's your, here's your text, Dr. Lon. Go for it. I'm like, great. The disrespect of God leads to the loss of God's presence. People are going to die. You know, it's just, it sounds very morbid and horrible. 
But it's a really important word today because we have to understand that God wants us to respect him. We'll talk a little bit about what that means in your life, but this story is very important. And so I want to get to it today, and I want to do something a little bit different. I, I, you know, I could have, um, I don't know, I could have put it up on the screen. I, I could have done a lot of things. I normally would have people stand while I read the Word of God, but it's too long. Uh, but I want to read it kind of in a, in a quick fashion today, 1 Samuel 4. But here's what I'm going to have you do. Uh, I'm going to have them, uh, if you would, guys, just turn the lights down a little bit. And I don't know about you, but I've done this already several times. Easy to put my mask up. Just kind of get my own world. Your mask is already up. Just close your eyes and hear the word of the Lord this morning. First Samuel 4. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer and the Philistines at Ophic. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were also there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. What's going on, the Philistines asked. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? And then when they were told it was because the Ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp, they said. This is a disaster. We've never had to face anything like this before. Help! Who can save us from the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness? Fight as never before, Philistines. Uh, if you don't, we will die. If we don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves, just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured. And Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. A man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that same day. He had torn his clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle, for his heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. When the messenger arrived and told what had happened, an outcry resounded throughout the town. What is all the noise about, Eli asked. The messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son, Eli demanded. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines, the messenger replied. The people have been slaughtered, and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backwards from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was old and overweight. He had been Israel's judge for 40 years. 
Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near her time of delivery. When she heard the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means where is the glory. For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. And then she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. You can open your eyes. We'll bring the lights up a little bit. This narrative seeks to answer the question, how can you lose the presence of God. How can you be the chosen people? How can you have found salvation? How could you have come to the knowledge of who God is and then somehow have lost your way? Today, I'm not interested in a long, drawn-out, um, uh, detailed, like five points or seven points. In fact, today, I've only got one point. I chose this one because as I prayed and prepped for today, I said, God, just show me one thing, and hear me on this, that I need to do in my life to keep your presence close to me. I said, what is it I need to do? I did not ask, what is it they, you, or we? I said, God, what is it that I need to do? What is it I need to know? What are you trying to say? What was wrong? What happened? And why can we not make sure that that never happens to us? You see, I believe that the answer God gave me as to why we can lose the presence of God, and it applies directly to the sons of Eli and to Eli, was pride. We can synonymously use the word arrogance as well. Pride and arrogance. In other words, a state of, I don't want God. I don't need God. I'm doing just fine. And I believe that pride then is what stops us from and can help us to lose the presence of God. Have you ever lost your phone? <laughs> and you're in a panic, right? You're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? You know, someone call my phone. Well, it's on silent. It won't vibrate. I don't know what to do. Phone app. We go crazy. We try to find that phone. And when we get that phone, we're so excited. Today, you know, if you need an analogy... That's what I'm hoping you walk away with today, that you are so desperate to find and make sure you have God's presence in your hand that you'll do anything to keep it. Just as you go crazy over that phone, where's my phone? Where's my? You should have the same zeal for the presence of God, the glory of God to be resting in your heart and your life. It's not like you've got some aura about you that you're walking around and you're shining like Moses. That was cool for Moses. He was in the presence of God, but we still can have the presence of God with us everywhere we go. That's the beauty and the power of what Jesus Christ has done, that we now can enter into the throne room of God and experience his presence wherever we go. But the danger always is that we start disrespecting God and we start thinking, that we know what we're doing and that we're doing just fine with it. I'm going to tell you something. As the director of pastoral studies, I've talked to a lot of pastors right now, and there are a lot of pastors in a lot of churches right now who are in a state of panic. 
Now that doesn't, well, no, don't, don't talk about that. We, we got to keep everything looking good and strong. But I'm telling you why a lot of people don't know what to do right now, because we had only made the presence of God be when we all gathered together. And that's a problem. That's a fallacy. That's a, that's a mistake. Because when we start making it about things and about people, then we're going to start losing and it's going to start eroding away the presence of God. It has to be something we carry into this place, right, Jeff? It's not something we get here. It's something we've already got with us and we bring it and we join together with it. Wow, we just get so off track. We start thinking it's about all these other things when it's really not. And that's when we move the actual presence of God to things and to people, to buildings, to programs, to politics, dare I say it, causes, dare I say it, even serving at a church or a ministry. Those things cannot and must not ever replace a personal desire for God's presence in your life every moment. That's what happened to the sons of Eli. That's what happened to Eli. They got so busy doing stuff and thinking, and then pretty soon they didn't need it. Pretty soon it was just routine and ritual, and they didn't really care anymore. And they lost the value of having God's presence that was right there in front of them. And so when they took that Ark of the Covenant and they went to that battle, you see, that was the, the routine and ritual. The priests would go with the Ark of the Covenant. So when they took it there and they were disrespecting God, God said, this is the moment, this is the time, boom. Kills them, they lose the ark, everything goes haywire. If you want some fun reading, right? Some interesting, cool reading, like I was talking about some of my stories, read on your own, not this moment right now. Don't you dare pick up and keep reading. You just stay on track with me for a few more moments, I promise. First Samuel 5 and 6. Crazy, funny story about what happens to the Ark of the Covenant with the, the Philistines' uh, Dagon idol god and, 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 and hemorrhoids and mice and tumors. And have I, have I set the stage for you? You know you want to read it now. It's like Netflix. I got to have it. I wanna, I'm going to tune in. I'm binging. I'm binge reading the rest of the Bible today. Good. Good. That'll be awesome. Go for it. It happens when we take the focus off God and we put it on ourselves. It's just so scary to do that. It's, it, and, it's, and it kind of goes one of the other ways, right? We either think we've got it all figured out and we can just grab God whenever we want it and slip him into our back pocket or our front pocket, sort of like our phone, right? Use it, find it, put it in my pocket. Good, I got God, I'm going today. Or we simply don't even want it at all. We don't think we need it at all. We begin to believe that we can live without God we move the actual presence of God to things and people. And then the third and final thing here that I think that happens with this whole pride thing is we stop praying. Now, oh, we, we pray a little bit here and there. You know, but I'm talking about a commitment to prayer where it's really serious, not, not snatch and grab prayer. Oh, I'm always in a state of prayer, Dr. Lon. Oh, goody for you. You're so spiritual. You know, I've been there. I do that all the time, too. There's nothing wrong with it. You are spiritual if you're praying all the time and everything. The Bible says to do that. But that can't be just snatch and grab prayer. There's got to be a devotion to prayer. Because then you've got to pray for the right things. This is how I finished today. When I was 20 years of age, I had a crisis in my life. I thought I was close to God. I thought I knew God. I thought I was on my track to ministry. But I, I had this encounter with God one night where I heard distinctly God say to me, 
if you don't change some things in your life, I'm going to take my presence away from you. Now, that's a hard word for anybody, but it might be hard for you today because you don't want to believe that God could remove his presence from you. But if you are disrespecting God, the word shows us. Now, I'm not talking about a one-time thing. I'm talking about an ongoing attitude and heart of disrespect. There will come a point, I don't know when, because he's God, that he may say, I'm taking it away. And I knew that was a crisis moment for me, and I, I determined I was not going to to stay in my old ways. I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm not going to give you details of what that was for me. It's not, what matters is what, what is God speaking to you about right now? So I want you to do it again. You got your mask on, just close your eyes. We're going to bring the lights down a little bit and we're just going to take a moment or two because I really want the Holy Spirit to speak to you and I want you to hear from God today about what it is you need to do to continue to invite his presence into your life. Maybe you're here today and man, you are dry as a bone. You're here, and that's awesome, but you're like, I'm here because I'm desperate. God wants to touch you today with his presence. Just reach out. Just say, God, give me a new touch. Give me something fresh today I've never known before. Maybe things have been getting in the way. Maybe just everything in life, right? We don't need to recite all the things that are going on. We all know them. We're all living them. But maybe they're just getting in the way and when you're just not finding yourself being able to focus on God and you're just, you're drawn to all these other things. Just a call back, just a reset here today. And then, and then finally, just what about this prayer thing? You know, I've been so, that's what God told me, Lon, more prayer, devoted prayer time, not snatch and grab, not, now I lay me down to sleep stuff, really calling out and, and praying for others and, and, and asking for God's presence in my life and to walk in his presence, to walk in the Holy Spirit, to honor him, to respect him. And I don't know what it is today, but I pray in the next minute or so that God will just drop something right in your heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mentioned earlier that we enter into his presence with what's already in our heart. But I'm so thankful that during our worship, we can draw even closer to him. And so now we're going to turn our hearts to worship. Our team's going to lead us. And I invite you just to, to keep wrestling, to keep praying, but to make today your theme for this day and maybe this week and for a long time as I do not want to disrespect God. I want his presence in my life and I will do everything in my power to find it. So open your hearts and worship now. Take that next step and let his presence fill you.